2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to share uh, along the lines of some... Who was here last week? Will you raise your hand up high if you were here last week? Okay. Uh, I shared on King David. Who loves David in the Bible? Come on. I mean, what an example of a, a champion that just has a heart after God. And last week we talked about his life, and I may recap a little bit of that. Seriously? Look at that. Come on, somebody. God is faithful. He's, don't, don't judge me. It's a, it's a Grande Pike Starbucks black. That's the way I drink my coffee. Come on. That's the way it's meant to be drank to it. Amen. So last week we talked about King David, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just uh, talk about that a little more. But I, I really feel like this morning the Lord is going to, I feel like this is a prophetic word for our house. How many, of the Lord, how many know the Lord speaks to us? Come on. Do you hear from God? Let me hear you. Wave at me if you hear from God. When we don't hear from God, we have to remember Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So if we don't come under him as the shepherd, sometimes it's, it's, it's difficult to hear. The posturing of our heart enables us, opens us up, opens our spiritual senses to hear. That's all it takes is a yielding, a, a posturing of the heart. I'm going to talk a little bit about this morning, the posturing of your heart, because this is so important. And a lot of us that you've been a part of this church for a while, you understand, you know, that the heart is the center of our being, that we see that. That is uh, all throughout the scripture. The word cardia doesn't just mean the organ within us. The Greek word heart is the core and the heart is the core of who we are. And Jesus taught us that the orientation of our heart is what determines where our life goes. He even talked about it in Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. He says that if your eye is good, then your body is full of light. And he's talking about the heart. So if the focus of your heart is good, then, then, then Jesus fills you up. How many know that? When you focus on Him, when you behold Him, you're filled with His glory. You're filled with His manifest glory. And so it's so important as a church, we see what is happening right now in our body. Um, how many have been with us for more than a year? Raise your hand. How many have been with us more than two years? Raise your hand. How many have been with us for more than four years? Raise your hand. Come on, somebody. Look around the room. We, we planted five years ago. You can put your hands down now. Now raise them back up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this mic is just woo, woo, boomy. So we, we need to understand where we're headed and where we're going and, and what God has been doing in our midst. And it's so important that we don't look back at the past as, uh, as something negative um, in our lives, in every circumstance of our life. How many know we look back at the faithfulness of God and we understand that He can build upon those faithful testimonies uh, a greater future, a greater glory of what God has in store? Are you with me this morning? I know it's first service, but I'm going to need you to respond. I preach better when you respond. When you don't respond, I preach longer. Amen. That's going to get loud now. Watch. They want the short-winded Pastor Zach. Well, then respond. So this morning, I want to continue to just talk about where, where are we as a body? Like we're, we're moving forward. Like God is doing something in our midst. There is there's a reality that when a body... Uh, is bonded together in in the the mission and the vision that God has called us to do. What is our vision as a church? Now I know we could sit and talk about vision, like you know, um, in, in a very 
common way today, a lot of churches will have their mission statement and their vision. What is the vision of your church? And everyone has to get on board with the vision. Well, I believe in that in a sense. Like there, there has to be a vision. There has to be prophetic revelation. The Bible says without prophetic revelation, without vision, the people perish. But, but I want to emphasize that our number one vision is obviously the gospel going forth. But our vision is to see with his eyes. See, we want his vision. Are you hearing me? And when we see with his eyes, it changes everything. And as, as a people, we're, we're going through this thing where we're learning to see one another with his eyes. We're seeing the world with his eyes. But we have to also see where we're headed. And where we're headed is the most fruitful place we have ever been as a church. Which means you need to prepare. Which means you need to rise up in courage. Anytime there is a transition, a healthy transition, there is usually a, there's usually a pruning. There's usually an exposing of things within our own hearts. Come on. How many know that if you put, uh, if you put dough inside of an oven, if there's leaven in it, you will know quickly. I mean, when you turn the heat up, if there's leaven, if there's something inside of us that God wants to sift out, it will show when the fire gets turned up. And sometimes through a shift and through transition, there, there, there comes a pressing. And, and it's up to us to either, uh, to, to either take courage, take heart, and focus in on what God has created every single one of us to do, which is to reveal His glory in the world, in the earth. Come on. I mean, that is our privilege as people. We're, we're not just people that like, well, I'm called to preach or I'm called to do this or I'm called to do that. No, we're all called to reveal the glory of Jesus. I mean, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. For this reason, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. You manifest Jesus wherever you go. When you, when you have a heart to love people and release the king's domain. Come on, the kingdom. When you release the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God over people's lives, you are manifesting who Jesus is. Last week we talked about how most of the time, I don't know why it's like this, but when you're going through a hard time, it's a perfect opportunity to manifest Jesus. When you're hard-pressed, Paul, we're going to read this in just a moment. Paul says, we're pressed but not crushed, persecuted but not abandoned. There's something about, and and we understand this in in the life of Jesus. Before he went to the Mount of Olives, he had to go through the Garden of Gethsemane. Before he went to the cross, he went to the garden. And and there was this, it's the place of the pressing. The Garden of Gethsemane in Jerusalem is where they crushed the olives to make olive oil. It's where they crushed the grapes, come on, to make new wine, to make wine. And when you feel crushed, just know that that's a good opportunity in a moment in your life where the fragrance of Jesus is manifested through you. And there's something about when we as a people get it that like, okay, I'm hard pressed. Something's going down like this. This means a breakthrough is on the horizon. There's a transition. There's a pressing. There's a pruning. Something is happening in our body. Something is happening because God's looking at your heart and he's looking for people that have a heart like his. Come on. And, and here's what I want to say is, as a new covenant Christian, you have a new heart. You have a heart of flesh that is alive. You have a heart that the Bible says in just before this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says we're ministers of the new covenant. But we're not just ministers of the new covenant. We are enabled and competent. Thank God we're competent. Come on, somebody. You are, look at your neighbor and say, you are not incompetent. 
Now, I know it's hard because some of you actually believe the other person is incompetent, but you have to say it in faith. Come on, I'm talking about faith this morning. It says you are enabled, competent ministers of the new covenant. That we actually get to participate in this thing where we minister the reality of this covenant that Jesus made 2,000 years ago with the Father that we get to participate in. Now listen, as a new covenant Christian, you have a new heart. What does that mean? That means your heart is moldable. That means your heart, as you orient your life at God, that your heart, now he flows through your heart. Out of your heart flow the issues of life. Everything that you go through, is it starts in your heart. Everything that you're, you're oriented to, it starts with the positioning and posturing of your heart. Wherever your heart is open to, you're going you're, you're gonna to actually, uh, you're going to hear what, whatever, like, let me give you an example. Your heart is like a satellite dish. If, if my heart is pointed in a certain area, I'm going to pick up those signals. How many know if you're offended, you're going to quickly find out everyone else that's offended because there's a, there's a spiritual thing that happens. There's a, a, an interchange There's something that happens and it all is based upon our hearts. But as a new covenant Christian, your heart is now like God's heart at the core of your being. He, he says that he, we're born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Now that means that at the core of who you are, you're new. How many know you're a new creation in Christ Jesus? In other words, he no longer is the law outside of you. You're not under the law, but you're under grace. But it talks about the law written on the tablet of our hearts. See, a lot of times we say, well, I just, I, I don't, I want to do God's will, not my will. But what you don't realize is a lot of your passions line up with God's will. If you want to know what God's will is, ask a new covenant Christian that's walking with Jesus. So your heart becomes like his heart. And as we grow in, in faith, as we grow as a people of God, there's something that happens when our hearts together, not just individually, but our hearts become like one. You see it all throughout the Bible. Paul would say, hey, I want you to be like one spirit. I want you to be one in spirit. I want you to be of one mind. You know, often Paul would, uh, he would correct the churches and say, guys, enough of this division. I want you to be of one mind. How many know we, we, we have a pretty unified church? We're healthy. Come on, somebody. Now, you know, we go through stuff just like a family goes through stuff. We are not perfect. We are not perfectly functional. There are things that sometimes we get Jerry Springer in here, don't we? Come on, you know, if we had a camera at your house, you would just... Every once in a while, we get a little Jerry Springer. And, and that's just a part of us growing and maturing in love. Come on. I see people shaking their head and they, they're lying straight up. But there's a process where we, because we're healthy, but we become one, like we think the same. Here's what happens. When our hearts are, are focused on the same thing, which is, Lord, we want your kingdom to come in the earth. Lord, we want to see your love explode. How many want to see all those things? Come on. How many have the same desire that we want to see the manifest present? This is my desire. See the manifest presence so strong that when you walk in a room, you just fall on your face and worship God. I, I see a room full of worshipers where the music starts and the unbelievers look around and be like, I, I, best, I guess I got to bow before God. Someone will walk in here and think we're Muslim because we're actually bowing before the creator. Oh, did I say that? I have a heart's desire. My heart's desire is to see the kingdom, the presence of God invade us in such a way that there's an increase of the glory 
where it just changes everything. And God is preparing us for this. And he's looking at our hearts. He's like, I, I want to I reveal my glory even greater. I, I, wanna, I want you to go from glory to glory. There's, and when you behold him, you become like him. Everything you f- focus on, you become. You know that? That's just a principle. You behold, well, if you behold Jesus, you become like him. There's a verse that talks about when we behold him, we shall be like him. Referring to the appearing, the revealing of Jesus. And in, and in a lot of aspects, John is probably talking about the revelation of Jesus, the unveiling of Jesus, and the ending of an old covenant system in the beginning of a new covenant. The revelation of who Jesus is. See, the book of Revelation isn't just about end times, if, if I could say that. There is a final judgment. There is an imminent return of Jesus. Come on, somebody. There is a final resurrection. But how many know that the revelation of Jesus is the unveiling of who he is, the revealing of who Jesus is? Now, when John saw him, he fell on his face like a dead man. So there's a greater glory God wants to reveal. There's a greater realm that God wants. There's a greater manifestation of the presence of God. Now, as a church, I'm going to say this. I I feel like I'm not going to get to my text, which is fine. John, will you come up here and just jump on the keys in about 10 minutes? doesn't matter what I'm doing. Just come up here, jump on the keys, and then I know it's time to close. I feel like as a church, though, we need to capture the heart of what God is doing within us. If we understand that there, it's so important that we keep our hearts oriented at heaven, we keep our hearts oriented on the vision, the, his vision, his cause, his, you know, his mission. Like, what are we're created to love people? We're cre- the number one command. You know what the new covenant command is? It's to love people like Jesus loves us. And God would never command something to you that you can't do. You know why you can do it? Because His Spirit lives inside of you. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5. So we're called to love people. We're called to love creation. And as a church body, I feel like we're stepping into some, the most fruitful time we have, yet, we have ever seen in our body. And I'm excited about it. But at the same time, I'm giving you some prophetic help, some, some insight, some teaching, some revelation to help you prepare your heart for what's coming. Cause I'm telling you there, 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 there always comes like a sifting, like God does things within our hearts and it's not just within the congregation. It's everybody. Come on, somebody, you know, my, my wife, when she gets up there and teaches, she says, she, one of the reasons she doesn't like to teach is the Lord like puts her through all the stuff before she gets to share a message. So if she's going to preach a message on transparency, she like lives it for a whole 30 days. I say that's a really good way to preach. Your life should preach. Come on. Your life should be an amen to what God is doing inside of you. And, and as a church, we're, we are, we've got to keep our hearts right. We've got to, the, the Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. This is a moment in your life you need to guard your heart. And you need to keep your heart focused on the cause and, and the value system of heaven, which is honor. And it all comes from love. Do you know what the kingdom reign is? The kingdom reign is not coercive control. It is radical love. And love never limits. 
Love releases you into destiny. This is a moment and a season of our lives as a body that we're going to be released into destiny. There are people in here that have been getting promoted. They've been getting jobs. And guess what? I'm telling you, there's just a blessing and a favor of heaven. Financial prosperity. Come on, soul prosperity. Every part of your being. You know, John says, I pray that your soul would prosper and you'd be in health in all things. How many believe that that's God's will for our lives? So there's a blessing coming. There is a greater manifestation coming. God is preparing our hearts. And no matter what we go through, no matter if we're pressed or crushed, let me just read you a few verses here. Paul's writing to the church and, and he tells them they're ministers of the new covenant, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He tells them that what they behold, they become. He tells them that, that Jesus was, uh, God was veiled in the old covenant. As a matter of fact, if you just read the Mosaic Covenant today, if I would just read a portion of the Mosaic Covenant, God is veiled. You know, Paul is saying, listen, even if you read the Old Covenant, the Old Covenant system, now I'm not talking about the Old Testament, because not everything in the Old Testament is Old Covenant. Hello? The Old Covenant didn't start till Exodus 21, 22. The original covenant God wanted was different than what the people decided because they didn't want personal relationship. They wanted a middleman and they wanted Moses. But the Old Testament, not everything in the Old Testament is Old Covenant. And there are five covenants in the Bible. And, and one of them is the Old Covenant, and it's the Mosaic Covenant. And Paul's saying when you read the Mosaic Covenant today, it actually veils God. In other words, it's not what God looks like. But Paul tells them God looks like Jesus. And when Jesus appeared, he, he removed the veil. And he's talking about the glory of the Old Covenant passing away, but the glory of the New Covenant is increasing in the earth. Now, this is important for us to understand because sometimes we think that in our lives, in in our churches, in what we're called to do, that there comes this, this increase and then this plateau. I'm telling you right now, God never wants you to plateau. He wants you to increase in glory. He wants you to increase in love. You should be maturing in love, growing in grace. Come on, somebody. And Paul then begins to talk to them and encourage them. And he's encouraged them in the midst of weakness, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of brokenness. He says, just be strong. Don't lose heart. And I, I want to read from verse 7 of Second Corinthians chapter 4, if you're with me. Let's read verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Isn't that powerful? He says, we have this treasure Oh man, remember last week I was talking to you about what you carry. And sometimes, I, I, this happens to me when I'm going through it and I'm like, God, I'm just, I'm, I'm done. I got to just, I, I feel like thrown in the towel. That hasn't happened in a long time. But how many of you know, in the last 10 years, have you ever wanted to just say, all right, I'm done? Like, what's this whole ministry thing about? You know, uh, people love the idea of ministry until they actually step into it. It's so true. I'm telling you, I just want to love people. Praise God. But when that love comes with sacrifice and pain, oh, no, that's not for me. Well, that's not love then. Love is only an idea until it actually breaks your heart. There's no such thing as love unless you are vulnerable to pain. Well, I don't go to church because everyone offends me. Well, then you're never going to grow in love. Amen. We have this treasure. You, what, what you... What you need to get, listen, is every one of you have something so holy 
Not only are you a temple of the Holy Spirit, like he lives in you. He lives in your body, your flesh, your body, your sarks is the Greek word. My flesh is holy. Yes, it is. Come on, somebody. You might have some desires. God's getting rid of out of you, but your body's holy. Jesus dwells in your body. He dwells in your heart. He dwells in your spirit. He lives within you. Jesus, the spirit of Christ lives within you. We have this treasure. You have something holy. You carry something that is significant to this body, to this city. Come on, in the earth, God wants you to increase in it. God wants you to posture your heart in such a way where you're not concerned about platform or position or power, but you're just all consumed in the presence of God. There is no room for any of that. And you're just saying, God, I'm ready to run with what you've called me to do. He says, you have this treasure. We have this treasure in this earthen vessel, this jar of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Verse 8, we are hard-pressed on every side. How many, have been there? How many are there right now? Come on. We are crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. There, there's something about the moment of the crushing. When we begin to get crushed, we immediately should posture our heart to heaven and say, Father, this is a moment where you can manifest your glory. Are you hearing me this morning? Now, maybe you're not going through it right now, but you will go through stuff in life. Poo-poo happens. I saw it on a bumper sticker, but it wasn't poo-poo. It was something else. It was the S word. Oh, you guys are so alive this morning. God bless you. Bless your heart. That's another way of saying like, really? Bless your heart. Look at the person next to you. Bless your heart. If you're from the South, that's like you're giving someone the finger. Bless your heart, darling. (laughs) Isn't that sweet? You might not be going through it now, but the, in the moment of the crushing, worship God. Be like David. In the moment of, of despair, there, there has to come this, that where your, your valley turns into road to Zion. Like the psalmist said, the valley of weeping turns into the road to Zion. The Zion, Zion is the resting of God, the place where his presence is. The place of presence. That's what we live for. Paul is encouraging them. He says, I don't care if you're crushed. And and Paul knows this. Paul lives this. He says, we're struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. That's, guess what that is? That's the anointing. That's the fragrance of Christ. That's who He is. In other words, Jesus will be revealed in your brokenness. Jesus will be revealed in your hurt and in your pain. It doesn't mean He caused it, but He'll heal you. And as He heals you through it, your life will become a testimony. You'll become a doorway of heaven. Why? Because your heart is oriented right and you're reaching. Your heart is drawing on the unseen realm. And you then become a weapon against the principalities and powers to display the manifold wisdom of God. You display the color of what He looks like. The colors of His love. Because you're drawing on an invisible realm. The same way your heart, and you breathe in air. 
And you exhale and your heart pumps blood through your system. Your heart pulls on the invisible realm. And you release what heaven is saying and doing in this moment and in this hour to everyone around you. This is what we're created for. There's some music playing right now. Is that heaven? Was that the angels? Jesus said the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. The life of Jesus. The manifestation of who he is. Through every every difficulty, through our brokenness, through our trials, through the storm. through, Through the pains that other people may have caused us, God actually manifests himself through them. And th- there, there's something so profound in this that we, we now, because we're one, because our hearts are focused, there's a spiritual authority, an increase on your life and on our lives as a body. And you know what happens? We learn to bear one another's burdens. It becomes so normal for us to say, I'm, I, I got to weep with you, sister. Come on. You know, sometimes people don't need a prayer. Sometimes, now, now don't get me wrong, we need to pray for people, okay? But sometimes people don't need some scriptural lesson when they're broken. They need a hug and they need some tears. They need somebody to cry with them. And as we step into what God is calling us to do, there's going to be a lot of broken people. And you can't get religious on them. When they're still struggling with their junk, you got to love them and let them become who they're called to be by you loving them for who they are. Amen. Just loving people. That's what we're created to do. What would it look like if a church of a couple hundred moved into a whole nother dimension and we all loved one another and we all love people and we began to step into what God has created us to do? We, we, we all rose up and we began to serve in every capacity. We rose up in generosity. We rose up in the spirit of what God is creating us to do, the spirit of courage, the spirit of faith, and we begin to run with what God has created us to do. I, I'm telling you, you know what would happen? The harvest would be, there would not be room in our buildings, plural, our buildings. There would not be room in our buildings to contain the people that are looking for a family to love them and to be a refuge for them. Paul continues, And he says, for we who are alive and are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be also revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. He's writing to the church that I believe was one of the thorns in his flesh. The thorn in Paul's flesh was not sickness. You can't find that in scripture anywhere. Actually, if you read thorns and you read the Old Testament, there were people. How many have ever felt like they have a thorn in their life? Don't look at the person next to you right now. Look at the person in the room that actually is a thorn. No, I'm just kidding. Paul says, death in me, but life in you. That is the Christian life. Self-giving. Not self-serving, self-giving. That's who God is. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Self-giving. And we partake of that. So powerful. Life flowing through us. We're drawing it on an invisible realm because God, we know God's heart is just beating so big for the earth. He's so beating so big for humanity. It says in verse tw- uh, 13, look at this, it's so powerful. It is written, I believe, I believe, therefore I have spoken. He's quoting from Psalm 116. 
He says, since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this for your benefit so that the grace is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Isn't that powerful? love that. Now, here's what I want you to grab a hold of. The spirit of faith. You carry the spirit of faith because if you don't, you're a part of we participate in the same spirit of faith that wrote Psalm 116. We participate in the same spirit of faith that carried Abraham to give his son. Come on, somebody. That carried Joseph through the prison time. The same spirit of faith when Daniel was in the lion's den. Come on, somebody. The same spirit of faith. The cloud of witnesses. Hebrews chapter 11. We love the faith chapter. But 12 verse 1 and 2. Since then we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let's run the race that's set before us. What does that mean? We've been handed a baton. We've been handed the spirit of faith. You don't just have the faith of Abraham. You have the faith of Jesus living on the inside of you. And as a body, we participate with the same faith and courage. So guess what? If you're discouraged, I give you courage right now. I declare the same spirit of faith in me is on you. And it's going to get you through. And we're going to keep running the race that God has set before us. Why? Because we love God and we love people. And we're going to change Las Vegas. And we're going to see the glory of God increase in such a way that we're, our, we ourselves are going to be undone said, I've never experienced the love of God like this. I've never experienced the love of God like this. And people are going to come into the house of the Lord. You're going to run into people. Some of you are going to start small groups and ministries. You're going to begin to disciple people. You're going to live life with people. You're going to weep with them. You're going to visit them in hospitals. You, we need, we are going to raise up. I'm telling you, my heart, as we grow, as we're a church of 500, we should have about 25 pastors. Community leaders that have a pastoral anointing, that just love to shepherd people, that love to love people. How are you doing? Let me pray for you. Let me, let me live life with you. Let me weep with you. This is where we're headed. Are you ready? I said, are you ready? on. We have the same spirit of faith, the same spirit of faith. So father, we just receive right now what heaven is saying, what heaven is doing. And I just declare those that are broken. Oh, father, (laughs) those that feel like giving up because they're crushed. But Lord, I declare they're not abandoned. They're struck down, but they're not destroyed. Father, it's an opportunity for a greater level of glory, a greater manifestation of the glory of heaven, what you look like. And so we thank you that we are enabled, competent ministers of this new covenant. So we open our hearts. Lord, I bless these people that are so precious to you. And I love and I want to see them rise up into their destinies. And I thank you that as a people, Lord, we choose to yield ourselves to you. We choose to orient our hearts with the master. We choose to come under the the shepherd of our souls, who is Jesus. And we'll follow your voice. We'll see with your eyes. We want your vision. Come on, wouldn't it be amazing? It's like 
I've never heard of a church that exalts his vision above their own vision. Come on. It's not a Jesus juke. It's, it's reality. I want to see with his eyes. What's the vision of your church? We want to see like God sees. That's the vision of our church. Do we have goals and missions? Yes, of course we do. We have heaven strategy. But I want to see like God sees. Father, we thank you for the spirit of faith. There are Goliaths that are coming down. We thank you for that, that warrior champion anointing. I feel like there's people in here that need, you're going to start praying with sisters and brothers. You're going to just, hey, we need to get together and pray. You, I feel like that there's, there's a birthing. There's something creative, even a shifting. Some of you, you're, you're going to partner with other community leaders, and there's just a, a, a cohesiveness in a connecting coming. Come on, are you with me this morning? And there's something happening within our spirits, and we just receive it. We thank you. We join our hearts, and we join our lives, and our desires are this, that we want to see your kingdom come will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, seal it with praise. Bless the Lord. If you need prayer for anything, we want we want to take some time and minister to you. If you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit, if you've never received your prayer language, you can today. If, you, if you've never surrendered your life to the love of God, you can open your heart and do that today. If we could have our prayer team come forward right now. And as we dismiss you, love some people before you go. But if you need anything, if you need prayer, come. And we have uh, our ministers, our prayer team, they're ready to just, just bless you. They're ready to just speak a word into you. Amen. So God bless you.